0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Unlaced Podcast. It's been a big year already. We've we've hit the ground running. We've had some big guests and appreciate everyone's support coming on the show. As I always say, if you're new here, thank you so much for coming along. Give us a like and subscribe. It's how we grow. And if you've come back, I absolutely love you now. Um, as you'll see throughout some of the episodes through the year, I've done some work with Dabble. We're doing some great streams and it's been it been a great place to work because I've also got to meet some great people and uh, one of the men that is on the show today, you'll know him for his AFL heroics, but he's, he's banter's second to none in Heath Shaw. so
1: well, thank you for coming on the show, mate. Thanks for having me, mate, and I, I do like the name, Unlaced. Do you? Yeah, and because obviously during my footy career, you, you're doing up your boots and I was so specific about <laughs> how my boots went on. Um, left foot first, then right foot, and they had to be the same tightness and everything. I'd do them. It'd take me like 10, 15 minutes to get Fuck. it get it right. Yeah, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Were you a superstitious guy oh, when you played? Next level. Like Did OCD to the max. Um, I've got ADD, yeah. so the OCD comes with that. Um, my wardrobe's color-coordinated. Oh, so it's, it's off the field as well? You've yeah, got off it. the field. Oh, mate, the – the in my fridge, when I have food and, and drinks in the fridge, um, I am a single single guy with not much in the fridge. I was going to say, are you hard to date because of that? Like, a chicks or do chicks get around that because you're kind of clean and precise? And you well, know what you want. I'm clean and precise, but I'm, I'm assuming I'm, I'm hard <laughs> to. I'm hard to date since I'm 37 and single. Yeah, no, or so I, mate, I'm on my yeah. way there. I could be I could be, there, I could be calling you <laughs> for advice. Record speaks for itself. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not a hard thing to figure out, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh well. Like speaking speaking of your career, I actually, I mean, I knew you were a great player, and I was quite young when you were playing, which says a bit about you. But um, 325 games. I didn't actually know that you played that many games.
1: Like yeah, top, at, 1% top of all one percent, top one. Isn't that That's is true. that truth?
0: That's true. Top one percent. Top One percent. Yeah. Premiership player. Two-time All-Australian. That was before you left Collingwood and you got an Anzac Day medal
1: as well. I did. I did. I got that. Um, I think that was in 2007. 2000- seven? seven. Yeah. That's yeah. I was only a few seven. years into your career. Yeah. I had a good game that one. I played <laughs> on James Heard. Gave him a bath. Um,
0: <laughs> no issues there. Uh, do, you, do you enjoy your life now more not play, not being in AFL football or
1: did you enjoy it more back then? Um, I sort of break it down into sort of two sections of my footy career. It was like the, the first part, which was at Collingwood, um, where you're like an 18-year-old, you come in, you love footy and you, you just want to play every week and then you want to go to nightclubs on the weekend. Um, and then when I left Collingwood, lucky enough to win the premiership and then when I left Collingwood, it was to a brand-new club that hardly existed. Um, I was 28 and I sort of became like a leader yeah. um, amongst those guys because I was more experienced than them. It was simple as that. There was 18, 19-year-olds, um, 40 of them. Um there and I had to be the one sort of helping leading the charge and, and try and get them up to a level to play AFL. So um, that part, I was sort of a bit more mature, even though I'm immature, <laughs> a bit more mature in my career, but the, the start, like I definitely enjoyed yeah, um, being just one of the boys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's some heroics around that for sure,
0: which we'll, which we'll dabble into and pardon the pun, but what, what is it that you're doing with yourself now? Cause obviously we've, we've, sort of come to acquaintances at Dabble, which I know you'll, you'll touch on and speak a bit about what you're
1: doing, but anything else that you're doing as well? Um, are you kind of, oh. or are you, are you full time? Yeah. You're going all, all I'm, like- I'm, I'd say I'm semi full time. Um, <laughs> it's the first, first ever job I've had at Dabble. Um, I do a little bit of the marketing stuff and a little bit in, um, looking after our talent and partnerships. So, um, it's different for me. The corporate world definitely doesn't suit me. Yeah. Um, but I'm learning all the time and Dabble's a great place to learn because, um, they're pretty chilled. They're pretty relaxed. Um, so that's, that's, that's part of my role. I'm playing local footy still. Cause I get my like local footy hit. Are you uh, bouncing around like Swanee? You go on different clubs or are you, nah, are you picking I'm one like, one club? I'm, no, stuff? I'm not a footy slut like Swanee. Yeah. Um, I'll stick to one club, East Keelor, um, the Cougars, great name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, coming into our, coming into my third year there. Um, so looking forward to that. And as I said, I'm getting a bit older, so might be my last year. Um, and then I do a couple of little ambassador roles. I'm super coach ambassador. The AFL season coming up. Oh, apparently you're unbelievable at this as well. Because oh. I floated this idea into Dabble. We should do a Dabble super coach. And, like, you don't want to do that because you're not going to win. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, he is, like, renowned. Well, I'm not bad, but a couple of our guys, a couple of our traders are very, very good. They've got the stats. So um, – <laughs> And they've told me that as well. But – um yeah, just, just a couple of things like that, but pretty chilled and um, just enjoying my time and, and life outside of footy, which is which is a bit different. Yeah, well, I bet, I bet. And probably a big change for you because you played so much of your life in footy, but even
0: more so, your family history is pretty insane. Like, I obviously knew you were related to Tony Shaw, but then your dad as well was a 150-game player for Collingwood and captained them. Yeah.
1: we um, I think, Fucking no pressure on you. No, nah, not at all. Um, It was, yeah, Tony played 313. Dad <laughs> 146. Reese 2.56, me, 3.25, and my uncle, Neville, 43. So um, we clocked up 1,000 games as a family, which is – we were the first sort of family to do that, um, which is a big achievement. And I just think it's 1,000 weekends. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's a lot of weekends. That's a lot. Um, so it, it is a massive achievement, and we don't, like, we don't really talk about that much. We only talk about who was the best, and, and obviously it was me. <laughs> um, out, of, out of all those, but um, who who, the, who would you say like who, if you take yourself out of the equation maybe because um, who- uncle Neville. Who played forty three games is most talented out of everyone. Really? Yeah, he just enjoyed the lifestyle more than the hard work. <laughs> okay, so there's the sure so, aspect so coming that out. So was the shore, yeah, <laughs> <shore> <laughs> part. He got the forty three <laughs> games. The rest of us faked it through a few more, through a few more years. But um, yeah, Neville was the most talented. Tony was probably the, the least talented of the lot, and um, he just he just worked hard, and he was really? just a grunt, and he um, yeah he played, captained, won the. Uh, um, Norm Smith in a in premiership. So what was, what was that? Ninety 1990. ninety, 1990. That's yep. right. And then twenty years later, we won. Fuck so. me. That yeah. must have been pretty surreal. Yeah. yeah. Oh mate, winning a winning a premiership is one thing. Winning a premiership for your, like your childhood club, and winning a premiership um, after your family have sort of done that as well. Um, poor dad. Um, he lost four grand finals. So for me to win, one was, um, <laughs> was not a bad effort. But um, yeah, we we savour the moment, and you appreciate it more now that you finished. Yeah. Um, because, to be honest, at the time, we thought we were going to win like four in a row and we ended up winning one. <laughs> so um, that was the, probably the only sort of disappointing part. But, um, but yeah, 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 those moments are like surreal. And then you get to share those moments as Collingwood boys do and, and as we did as a team each year when we go for the reunion. Yeah, Swanee's, Swanee's talking. I think we've cut that up before where Swanee spoke about the best part about winning a premiership in
0: Swanee's tone. is like instead of talking about what it meant to him and like the dream, he's like is the, the annual lunch – every year and like people get a bit older, the gray hairs, people are losing hairs, but the stories and the banter just never dies. Oh,
1: but
0: the stories change every, every year. I, think <laughs> I forget,
1: forget what actually happened in that game. Um, but, yeah, it is. It's And it's we organized a five-year reunion and then we liked that so much that we did six and then we did seven <laughs> and then we did eight. Missed nine and, um, nine and ten during COVID, but then we made up for it this year. So it's, it's good. We don't get everyone there. Like we try to get as many as possible, but mm. – um, we get a fair group of guys there and everyone looks forward to it. That's, that's for sure. That's brilliant. Yeah. How much, how much pressure
0: did you feel as a junior being like with, with your family history? Was that ever a thing internally, like at home, like you've got a, or like the eyes on you from other kids? Cause I can imagine. Um,
1: it was a little bit, a little bit for me, but obviously Reese is four years older than me. So he was the, the first son coming through under, under like obviously Tony and my old man. So yeah. He was the first one. He had more pressure. He was, he was, um, he played Vic. He was all Australian under 18. Um, and then he rolled into father-son um, at Collingwood, and the pressure was sort of lumped on him. And um, it took him, to, took him a while to figure it out. Yeah. Um, like it took me a while to figure it out as well. Um, and I think it, everyone sort of goes through their learning curves when in their first couple of years. But the pressure wasn't as much on me because Reese was in front of me. And then I came to the club under Reese, right. um, And he sort of guided me through. And um, I followed in his footsteps most of the things I did, whether it was like obviously training hard and how, how, how you actually get to play a game. Or sometimes the off field indiscretions that I followed him as well. So, <laughs> as you do your older brother, yeah. you, you do everything they yeah. do, you copy them as much as you can. You've got a great CV from like 03 to 08 off field. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some good stuff. Well, <laughs> some people learn after one mistake. It, t- it <laughs> yeah. took me, um, I think it took me three. So. Yeah, but then at least well, we you, got
0: there. <laughs> you had about five others, though, as the, as the turn of the rat pack came that was yeah. all the same. So. Um,
1: it's just a good, the, the rat pack was just a bunch of guys like hanging out with each other. Yeah. And just, we're in the wrong place at the wrong time a lot. <laughs>
0: yeah. But then Sonny also said "On the big moments on the big stage, it was probably one of you guys that was standing up and making a difference, which kind of was
1: the like the heroic nature of the rap Pack too. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone questioned like when we worked hard at training mm. and we played hard game day. I don't think anyone questioned that, but they questioned our professionalism <laughs> when it came to outside of that. Um, but like Mick, he probably would never admit it, he loves – the Rat Pack, because he, he knew game day he can rely on yeah. on those guys um, because they've got, obviously, a bit of mongrel, a um, bit of scallywag about them. But when it comes to the crunch, they'll put their hand up and they'll go, so… Um, Mick, yeah, as I said, he w- he probably won't admit that he that he loved us because we obviously gave him a few of those grey hairs. But um, he, well, he knew, never he got knew, rid k- of you. So he he to- didn't. <laughs> he, he looked after us too a lot, yeah. and and that's why we still treasure every time we do have the premiership reunion. Mick's yeah. always there.
0: Oh, good. So when did when did you realise like AFL was an option? Like it was clear your ability wise, you obviously had the father son relationship. But when when did you actually know yourself? Like, like this is going to happen?
1: Um, oh, I think as a real young junior, I was I was I was a really good player. I reckon. From sort of under 10s up to under 14s, I was, I was sort of real good. Um, won a couple of, like, obviously, best and fairest and that at your at local club and all that. And then I had a bit of a flat patch. Um, and then I didn't know whether footy was for me. Um, I wasn't like, not that I wasn't enjoying it, but I was just like, you know, I was like at yeah. parties and chasing girls and all that <laughs> sort of thing. And you just sort of go with the flow. And then I got a bit more serious when it was like, when I was like 16. And, you know, you have the you know, like Northern Knights, a selection under 18s, and you, you want to get picked for that so you can have a crack at um, making the AFL. And, and that's where I sort of knuckled down a little bit more and really had a go at it. Um, I wasn't as good as, um, like, I would have, honestly, if I wasn't father-son, I don't know where I would have got drafted. I might have might have just scraped in. Um, didn't play Vic Metro uh, under 18s. Didn't you? So you um, went, no. you
0: went, and you still because you, yeah, I think you went in the thirties or forties yeah. or something. Yeah, the son 48. 48. Well,
1: bargain at forty-eight. Yeah, but, well, um, even hindsight, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, but like, even my first two years at Collingwood um, after being drafted, it was probably question marks on whether I would actually play a game or or even make it. So um, it took me a while, as I said before, it took me a while to actually figure it out and what it takes to play AFL and what it takes to be an AFL footballer. Um, but when I did. Um it made lo- it like it makes life so much easier because you just have this set set way and then you just go and then you just repeat. Right. And then um for me it was like don't accept mediocrity. Um like obviously I'm competitive beast, I don't want to lose anything. Mm. Um and that sort of held me in good stead. And then you build up on the skills and you build up on the smarts through learning off other players. Um, Jimmy Clement, Presty, um, Ben Johnson, my brother, um, these sort of guys that I was playing in the back line, in and around. Um, I take bits and pieces of each of them and then put it into my game and, and hopefully that holds me in good stead for week after week after week. And um for me, it was a probably a two-and-a-half-year learning curve to get to that point. And then from then on, it was it, it was easy. Was the change room you walk 'cause because did you get drafted at
0: 17? Because back then, yeah. 03, it was like people – like I think Swanee was as well. Yeah. Well, the change room you walked into would have been pretty formidable at the time. Like Collingwood were just fresh off, like losing to Two the Lions. And yeah, yeah, do you know what I mean? Oh, no,
1: we, oh, definitely. It was like a, they were a good, very good team. Um, Anthony Rocker, Bucks, and Lockyer, Lucuria, Jimmy Clements. Yeah, Paul Lucuria. Like these are all guys I watched as a kid and I, I loved watching. Um, and then I was sitting in the locker room with them and, and competing against them. So the best thing is when you're competing against the best, you, you learn, you learn more. And I was like learning as I was going. Um, And like I said, Jimmy Clement was probably the number one guy. I learned my trade off, um, one-on-one really, really good. Um, very skillful and sort of his decision-making around take the risk or play it safe out of the back line is, um, something that I had was pretty much cemented in the back of my head when I had him yelling at me, um, from the back line for, for most of my junior or some of my early days. So, um, yeah, I'd say Jimmy was the guy I learned the most off, but you take bits and pieces out of everyone. Just on him, he he's
0: uh, – I don't know if he ever meant it because I don't know if he's that type of guy, but he's tucked in shirt with the Predator <laughs> boots that they were that was the I used to think that guy was the sexiest footballer going around because I'm like, yeah. this guy just looks the part old school, old school, yeah. Black boots, black boots tucked, tucked in, in, shorts pulled
1: up probably a little bit too high, <laughs> uh, same as Bucks, just like right, yeah, right up near the belly down. button. Yeah, just give him a little, yeah, just sit him on the hips, boys. Um, but yeah, he he was socks up as well. Um, and part of the reason, not because I copied Jimmy having my socks up for my whole career, <laughs> but I just remember, um, before the game, before my first game. Um, uh, mix, like, how you feeling? And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, not too bad. He goes, You're nervous? I go, Oh, yeah, a little bit. And he goes, um, pull your socks up. And I was like, All right. And he goes, if you're if you're not gonna play like a football today, at least look like one. <laughs> and so I was like I was like, Is that a compliment? Or is that like, is he giving me a sledge or whatever it was? <laughs> so I pulled the socks up and I never I never wore my socks down after that game. So um it's very rare these days you see guys with their socks up apart yeah. from Ruckman, but Um, I don't know what it is. I just always wore them up. um, You still do it today for the Cougars? I still do it. Yeah, I still do it for the Cougars until I start cramping in the last quarter and I push the (laughs) socks down. But, um, yeah, it was just something like talking about superstitions. It was just something I, I did, and it was my process to get out there and to play. Yeah, just speaking on the Cougars for those at home, go go
0: on YouTube and watch Hedo uh, when he's mic'd up. It's really good, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think the first first minute you get tackled or thrown down, and the mic comes off. And then yeah. when it, it comes back on, geez, it's good
1: value. Yeah, Oh made it's, it's, <laughs> it's a good like it was good fun, and it's always good fun because it's good insight. And you, as much as you know, you've got it on. Yeah. During the game, you're in the heat of the moment. You forget about yeah. it, and then you remember, and then you forget about. it. So there's some stuff there that obviously gets beeped out, um, <laughs> a fair bit of it. Um, but it's a good insight into like just like local footy as yeah. much as AFL footy, but local footy as well. And and I enjoy playing. And same thing, I'm still competitive. I want to win every week, um, but I know I know my limitations a little bit more. Yeah, now. Oh, fair enough. Well, th- this
0: question might not make any sense at all, but just giving you a very sort of process and tick the box through the week for getting preparation, like these non-negotiables. Do you, are there any sort of standout non-negotiables you had to try and get yourself to that level when you sort of had that, you know, the f- initial years were,
1: were a bit slow for you or getting used to the sort of AFL world? Yeah, I always, and even to this day, I like, and sometimes it's out of my control, but I like to train as I play.
0: And right. I know it,
1: it sounds really stupid, and really basic, but, you train as you play and you, you, you kick the footy, like you kick it in a game. Like a lot of people, um, you're kicking with your, your teammate at the start of training and it's like straight kicks, 20 meters. Yeah. Like how often do you do that in the game? Yeah. Okay. So I'm like around the corner, like, yeah. you know, face it, roll it on the ground. Weaving guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have a bounce. Um, and then a lot of guys and a lot of clubs. A lot of players do like, you know, they, they call it, t- do it doing touch and your handballing back and forth to each other, like tram traction and all that shit, sort of shit. Yeah. And I was like, wouldn't That's you do real. that during the game? Yeah. That's just bullshit. Yeah. So I never did it. And was like, why aren't you doing touch? I go, because it's bullshit. <laughs> I'd rather someone just like pegging balls or kicking balls into my hand so I'm getting that touch. And so for me, everything I did was for a purpose, and that purpose was related to, to footy. So training was important. Um, the day before training, the captain's run. I'd have a little bit of a go. I'd get a good blowout, right? Um, just so that I'm ready for the for the next day. I don't want to come in like stiff or sore. So I'd have a good go, get a lot of kicks in, um, get a bit of touch, and and so I'm ready to roll the next day.
0: So when did when did you sort of feel? What year was it where you are like I'm oh, I'm at AFL level now? Like it's the games clicked. I feel comfortable. I've I've sort of built my pedigree and where sort of people know me and I'm getting picked every week. When when did that start um, to happen for you?
1: It was my third year, and it was funny because. I did the old, talking about pre-season, had a good Mm. um, (laughs) pre-season, did everything right and then didn't get picked for round one. Oh, fuck. So Mick didn't pick me for round one and I was fucking livid. Then didn't get picked for round two and then um, played in the reserves uh, the day before on the Saturday and then um, Scott Burns was sick on the Sunday and I got to call up saying, um, hey, mate, did you go out last night? team manager. Did you go out last night? I'm like. No, nah, mate, why? Um, he thought I was lying, obviously. And I said, no, mate, <laughs> I didn't. I was actually a bit sore from the game. Uh, the game. And he's like, well, um, you better get to the club and do some recovery because there's a big chance you'll be playing today. And I was oh, like, oh, okay. So I went to the club and I was like doing some recovery stuff in preparation just in case um, Burnsy wasn't able to get up because he was crook. Um, and I'm like, geez, there might be a chance here. It must be pretty serious. Burnsy texted me, said there's no chance I'm playing you're, you're oh. playing because he was so crook. And so I went out there. Um, was this, that wasn't your, fir- that was your first game? No, that no, was, that was, yeah, was, my, was just in my third year. Third and year, yeah. Um, yeah, went, played like 60% game time, um, had 20-something touches, um, and we had a good win against the Kangaroos. And I just remember um, Ben Johnson's like, he goes, this is it. Yeah. And then from then on, we just, um, I didn't miss a game. Fuck man. Yeah, so that was sort of the, the moment. Even the fact that Mick didn't pick me for two weeks. Yeah. Um, and he, he made me work hard to get my first game, made me work hard to get that game, um, held me in good stead going forward. And I knew as soon as I did that, I'm like, I won't miss a game now. Yeah. I, will, I will never be dropped. Um, I'll be suspended for indiscretions um, <laughs> off the field and all that, but I will, I will never be dropped um, due, to, due to bad form because I had that
0: confidence. Yeah. So your sort of like mental aspect seems like it was a strength because that's very, you probably being who you are, you would know that having that period of good preseason and not like getting dropped can go one or two ways mentally. So sort of the way you reacted. I don't know if how you reacted, but to come back in and sort of cement your spot, yeah. not an easy thing to do.
1: No, it's, it's not, but you just got to like, I've like, people can call it arrogance, but I have so much confidence. Like when I went out to play that I'm going to beat my opponent cause I've done the work. Right. Um, even if I'm sometimes I'm a little bit off and sometimes you get beaten. Like there's no doubt about that, but I still went into every game thinking I'm going to win. And I'm yeah. going to be the best player. Um, if you don't have that sort of mindset, if you're going in there and go, oh, I'm worried about this guy, he, he, might, he might get a hold of me, then you like they're winning half the battle or that's half the battle done. So for me, it was like, I'm confident I'm going to beat this guy because I know this, this, and this um, about myself or about them. But I had the confidence each week and I, I backed it up with performances that I could actually do it. Right. Um, and I could do it on the big stage. And and that when you do that, the confidence builds from there. And I think um, – there's, there's probably a fine line between being arrogant and, <laughs> yeah. and being really, really confident. And I think um, at times people probably thought I'd tipped over to the, to the arrogant side. But for me, it was just like that confidence in what I do I know I can perform.
0: Yeah. So what it's funny we're talking about like pressure in workplaces before. I feel like Collingwood pressure-wise is probably the biggest in, in the country when it comes to sport in regards to expectation, fan base, all that sort of stuff. Did you ever feel that, particularly in the early days, especially with your family history? It's like a lot more eyes are looking at you with with sort of Tony and your dad and, and Neville yeah. or whatever.
1: It's it's weird because you go in and you just want to play a game. Yeah. And then once you do that, you're like enjoying your football. Um. But then you realise that each way you've got two hours to perform and win and there's so many people watching you. And, and so the, the it's not like the pressure is overwhelming, but when you think of it like that, when you break it down, there's 100,000 members and all those people want you to win and they're right. watching every kick you do and it's right. on video. Right. And so if you stuff up, they can highlight it. And they can show it. <laughs> and it's like you don't have that in a workplace, in the <laughs> office. You don't show, like highlight every mistake you make, but on the footy field, it is there. It's there to be shown. It's black and white. <laughs> Pardon the pun. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it's – um. It's something that like some, you can either enjoy it, embrace it, or um, it can get a hold of you. And for me, at times, yeah, the pressure was like all time and you're playing in the back line. And if mm. you make a mistake, it's a goal, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So that pressure is like, obviously at, at its level, but if you enjoy it and you thrive on it and when you win or you do something um, special in a game that helps your team and people remember it, then that's like the, the really good part and that's, yeah. where you, that's what you want. That's what feeds feeds that desire and drive. I'm going to go through your career more, but just to talk about that particularly, because I find like, I
0: don't know what repeats the adrenaline hit you get when you walk in the MCG for the pies. Did you have like, especially with ADD, did you have like an adrenaline dump that you were sort of chasing post-footy career with that sort of stuff?
1: Um, Or or did it not really bother you as much? Oh, probably didn't bother me as much because honestly, you get so used to it. I know it sounds stupid because there's a hundred thousand people there, but you you sort of block it out and you're just in the moment. Yeah. Um, so for me it was getting used to that and getting used to playing on the big stage, but you definitely know preliminary finals, mm. like the level, um, the volume at that ground is a lot lot higher than a normal game. Anzac yeah. Day is exactly the same. They're the two yeah. best, two biggest games outside of um a grand final is the prelim and Anzac Day. Right. Um it's it's huge. Everyone's watching, um, supporters there from both sides and ready to roll and, and playing in front of those crowds. Why well, wouldn't you want to do it? Yeah, it's fucking insane. Like you get the opportunity to do that, and you get the opportunity. I got to play in a lot of Anzac Day games and, and a lot of prelims as well. I was very lucky, but you want to keep going back for it. Yeah, that you just get addicted. Yeah, I imagine you definitely I, do, and you get addicted to winning, but you get addicted to that feeling um, throughout the game and then after the game when you do win. Gotcha. So. Um, Winning on the big stage, and Mick always spoke about performing on the big stage. Um, he always like he would he would pick someone who was on the fringe, who he knew would perform, who has performed on the big stage, over someone who's been a gun throughout the year, but he knew he'd fail. And so he he knew that well. He
0: knew you guys that well that he could make a, dis- a calculated decision like that and feel confident yeah. that this guy he knows will
1: play big in big games. Yeah, he's, but the, he's the best. And this is a bit of a soccer term. Yeah, player manager was he really going around yeah he tactically he was good he made his moves and all that sort of stuff and game plans but he he know he knew how to get people to their peak or to lift each week yeah it was like all right i'm going to smash heath telling he's telling me shit now he leaves the lift he's he's been down the last couple of weeks because i know he'll 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 pump up i need to pump up this guy because his confidence is low a bit i know if i give him a rev up here and pump right. him up he'll perform so it's like he he knew how to he he could read players really well and he knew how to to Push their buttons, um, and that's why he lasted so long,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, do, do you see him as like an old school coach now, or do you think his style? Because I think player managers is like three quarters of the job in professional level, really. Because if the players are good enough, there's obviously just a few X's and O's you got to do to,
1: yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. Um, I don't know if he or has the guard changed a bit now, with... the guard has changed, it's, it's obviously a lot more tactical, is it really um, okay. now, in terms of like. All the vision you get, and you know exactly what the opposition are doing, and, and all that sort of stuff. So, it's, it's the guards definitely change in that regard. But um, if I was coaching an AFL team, I'd have Mick as my really assistant. Yeah, oh, that's gone yeah, because you know he would be there guiding me, but then also picking up things that I don't pick so up. so. You hold him in the highest regard, yeah, obviously. That's yeah, 100%. That's, that's
0: unreal. Hey guys, just a quick pause in this episode to let you know that I have partnered with Dabble this year. Share the experience now. Dabble is a online betting platform. It is absolutely unbelievable. Very similar to Instagram, where you can follow people and copy their bets. Now, you guys may have seen me do some World Cup streams through the World Cup, talking about the World Cup, building bets, which we were very successful at. So, we are going to be doing that every week from Tuesday nights seven to eight on the Dabble YouTube platform. So, come along. Let's talk about sport, football, whatever it. May AB and build some multis that are going to get up. I'll be there 7pm every Tuesday on the Dabble YouTube. Let's get back into the episode. I got a curly one for you. This is about the Rat Pack, but who out of the Rat Pack would you want to be stuck
1: on an island with and why? And who, you, who wouldn't you and why? I definitely wouldn't want to be stuck with Ben Johnson. Um, <laughs> he lived with his mum and dad until he was about twenty-eight. And, <laughs> okay. And his mum packed his bag to go to the footy and the no, footy training that every can't night. Be true. So <laughs> it's definitely true. So Ben Johnson's a known. <laughs> no. I don't reckon he's ever watched his undies. Yeah. Um, he's probably definitely not gonna watch his so safety as well. <laughs> yeah. And um I'll probably be stuck with because with he's he finds a way. Like he's he's very intelligent. Yeah, Swanee. he is. He dumbs himself down. Yeah, but he's very intelligent. He knows a lot about, a lot, some of it shit, but a lot, he you knows a lot about, um, like general knowledge stuff that I think would, would be, would be handy.
0: Right. Who, who out of the Rat Pack was the most fun on a night out? Like when you look back at it, outside of yourself, of course.
1: Um, well, my best mates, Alan Dodak, So, um, we got along pretty well and I wouldn't really hang around with someone who wasn't fun. Yeah. So, um, he definitely was like the class clown. Was he really? And, um, especially even around the change rooms and all that sort of stuff. Very, very witty, very funny, um, and just enjoyed having a good time. Do you miss – actually, the, I, I do you miss the change room? Band? I mean, you get, I guess you get a hit at East Keelor. Yeah. but it's not the same. Yeah, it's because yeah. it's not every day. No, it's, it's, it isn't, and it's still good rocking up on a Tuesday at East Keelor and listening to what the boys did <laughs> on the weekend um, as, as a 37-year-old now. But um, like you said, the change room, like every single day, something will happen, oh, man, something that- different. Different conversation, same conversation, same arguments, <laughs> different arguments. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it's just entertaining and you can't replicate that. Yeah, anywhere. that's what piss. I don't yeah. know anything else. Yeah, you can replicate you you it. You can't replicate that anywhere and that's why it's so good. And people, like everyone talks about the dressing rooms and how good they are. Yeah. Well, obviously at the Pies, you guys started to have
0: your rise in the back end of the early 2000s, so 9, 2010, 11, so forth. Just to go into that 2010 final series, one thing that kind of – not shook me, but I think the, when I spoke to Swanee about it and other people that were around the Pies at the time was like internally how confident you guys were that you guys could win it. And I think the Saints for like two years were pretty hard to beat. It was like just Geelong, Pipton yeah. here and there. When you were going into that sort of initial grand final, the first one, did you guys think you had them? Was that, was that the sort of feeling or was, did you
1: guys know that was going to be an absolute blockbuster like it was? Um, oh, we knew it was going to be a tough game, but we, we were confident um, we were going to win the game. Um, and I've like, i say this to a few guys, um, jokingly, but serious. I was, that was like one of the first games I've been nervous. Really? One of the only games I've been nervous for was my first grand final. Like first not, game year. We're, you here, not, were you not a nervous bloke nah, before those things? Not before a game. Nah. You're a bit fucking I'm Just, weird just cruising, like in the change rooms, like looking at people, picking on like the guys that are like full on in the zone and like bouncing the ball or smashing the head against the wall. and We're just like sitting back. He did Swanee and Jono just, like, talking shit. <laughs>
0: the rap facts, um, mate. Just jackets on. Reads. We always had
1: our, like, jackets on, just, like, sitting back, relaxing. I warm-up's on. Yep, sweet, let's go. Um, but for for me, that game, I was actually nervous because I'm like, this is what you, you've you wanted to do for, like, your whole career Yeah, is to win one. And I've got the opportunity to win one, and I'm yeah. like, what if we don't? It, the doubt comes in, and the thought process, which is opposite to what um, most of my career was like, is like, what if we don't? sort of okay. thing. Um so I was a bit nervous um before that one, but we were still like confident our best would win. Um at the end of the day lucky that the ball bounced one way and lucky that we got the draw because play an extra 5 minutes and we're in big trouble. Um but flip that the next week, fucking destroyed. Couldn't that. couldn't be more confident in my life. Obviously I'm a betting man. Don't bet on football. Um, while I was playing only a couple of times. Um, <laughs> but if I was a betting man, I, I couldn't have been more confident that we are going to win the next week. Just before we go on to the second one, what's a, what was the most memorable thing that to you to this day that
0: stands out about that draw? Like from, from being on the field, draw. Yeah, because what, um, what as a fan, it was a bit of a weird sensation, but the overall game was fucking unbelievable. Yeah, um, I remember Goddard's mark.
1: Oh, yeah. I was front and centre of that mark. I actually thought that
0: Saints – because I'm a Saints fan. Yeah. I thought the Saints were going to win after that because I was like,
1: like how, how does yeah. it? How did Klinger come Mate. back after and that? I was front and centre. I saw that and I'm like, oh, we're in big trouble here. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the ball bounced out of the way and um, and then they kicked out from full back and then the ball came in and I actually got the ball and kicked it back out to where it was. And so I remember like I was throwing it on my boot, just getting it as far away from me as possible. And then a siren went and you're just sort of like, fuck, what's going on?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it was a bit of a numb feeling. Um, did you know you were going to have to come back the next week initially or did
0: you think like they might play an extra five? Oh, like, Did you have any idea of We had no idea. No. Yeah.
1: Um, and funny because the last strong grand final before that, my old man was involved in. So a oh, um, bit of a coincidence there. <laughs> um, we've done it all, the Shaw family. Yeah. Um, but yeah, didn't have any idea. And as soon as we found out the next week, well, like, it was a little bit of relief because I'm like, all right, we'll get another crack at it. Mm. And And no word of a lie, I reckon – there was 17 guys out of the people, that the 22 that played, that underperformed that in, first in, final. Oh, so you guys had And that. then, so I'm like, if two or three or four of these guys lift, obviously I wasn't one of the 17. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> what were your stats game on? Do you know? Remember? It was 27 and <laughs> 28. <laughs> Not that I was counting. Yeah. Um, and I knew that if we just had a couple of those guys play to what they normally did, then – we're going to smoke them. And, and we did. We, we put it to bed pretty early. And the um, memory from the second grand final was more Jono, who's the spiritual leader of the, the Rat Pack. Hmm. After Mick's cool. three quarter time address, which no one was listening to because we were up by so much, we were like, yeah, this is great. Yeah. The good's this. We're going to win. Yeah. Um, Jono called in me, Jono, uh, sorry, me, Swanee, and Dids. And he's like, listen, boys, we've got a big week ahead just stay out of trouble, no tackling, no going back with the flight, stay out of trouble. No, we don't want anyone to get injured because we've got a big week coming up. So, um, <laughs> it was great words time. of advice. That is all time. <laughs> great words of He's advice. He's thinking about the, the, the sessions after. <laughs> the, the spiritual leader. Um, that actually would have was, hit, hit
0: a chord with you guys more than oh, probably Mick's yeah. speech. And yeah. we
1: like, we'd, you know, you're humming around, you're like you still want to play well and all that sort of thing. Um. But you you got to – the good thing about winning by the margin that we did, we got to enjoy the moment and you literally can just look around and go, how good's this? Yeah. Not like it was a real tight game. You don't get that experience, but we we had that opportunity and, um, yeah, those memories live on forever. Mate, do you reckon – because obviously I reckon there was a mental
0: aspect to that grand final like no other because you had to come back and the preparation and Saints probably thought they should have won it. Yeah. Yeah. like, through that week, was that some of the stuff the Pies did through that week, was there anything different that you think you got a mental edge? Because I think mentally you guys fucked the Saints in the end. Like, not just on the scoreboard and performance-wise, but they looked sort of um, a different team in yeah. game two. Yeah,
1: I think there was a big part of that was the fact that they should have won. Like right. Like, so, so their mental sort of um, mindset was they should have won, and we were like, we're well, lucky we drew. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, we come back in and we knew, like, we were confident, like, from, from word go, and Mick was very structured about um, keeping everything the same. Um, training on the Wednesday was very, like, skills-orientated, no, real, no bash and crash or anything like that, like okay. that you wouldn't do. But um, he kept it, meetings the same, everything the same. Didn't have the parade the second time, which was, which was good. Yeah. Um, pretty much just rolled into it like a normal, normal-ish game. Um, but like I said, deep down, we, we were confident. We were very confident what was going to happen. Yeah.
0: I feel like uh, with your career, the the one thing you're most renowned for is called Smother of the Century. And you've, I I don't know, because it happened early on, didn't it? It was like first quarter. Before, uh, they didn't keep the goal. Yeah, that's right. They didn't keep the goal. Yeah, which
1: was the the other fucking stab stab in the heart. So,
0: um, what like? Can you talk us through that process of
1: what uh, happened? Oh, it was, because it's like so embarrassing. Because I played three hundred and twenty-five games. I'm uh, going to be remembered for a smother. Well, yeah, so, it comes um, up everywhere. Um, yeah. It's a seven-minute video on it on YouTube, yeah. and only happened for two seconds. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> so, um, it was a spur of the moment decision. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and all the boys are laughed because they're all, they're all saying, "Well, the reason why the ball was in the goal screw and you were by yourself and Rael was by yourself because you weren't on your man up yeah, the ground." Up and bad. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, "Yeah, yeah, you're probably right." But yeah. <laughs> um, and it was just the, the mindset was purely. Obviously the ball got kicked in and then kicked in again to Rewalt and he's standing in the goal square. i like running towards him and I'm just like, you got you like you got to make an effort, like yeah. no matter what, it's a grand final, and I was just like I was sprinting towards him and just I got closer and closer and closer and I'm like, as I was running, I'm like, geez, I'm, I'm a chance here. He's, he's like he took it, took his time. Um, did you know he was going to play on like straight away or did you? Were you running back? No, I was just, he running, yeah, like, just, so just, just running. Yeah, just just make life a little bit difficult for him, right? Um, even if he kicks the goal, just knock him over, whatever it is. Game of inches. Um, and yeah, as I got closer, I'm like, "Fucking, I'm a chance here." And then, sort of half smothered it, like muffed it, knocked it out of his hands, and went over the line. And um, like you don't see that on the ground, but you saw the reaction. I've seen watched the replay, and you see the reaction of like St Kilda's coach's box, and then fuck, Rewell and a couple of players and all that, and you're like, it, it was a it was a big moment in that it was game, huge mental um, moment, and they hadn't kicked the goal as well, so that that's that helps. But did it play a fact that part in, in the way that we played for the rest of the game? Probably not, but um, I'll say it does. Yeah, I I'd it actually <laughs> think it would too. That would have lifted me up. Yeah, and <clears throat> Mick, Mick did mention it at quarter time, but very briefly, yeah, you know, straight this on. is the sort of effort you need to move on. Yeah, okay. So, um, yeah, it is it is a moment in history, um, but, yeah, it's a little bit embarrassing. So what,
0: what was the uh, – and forgive me for not knowing this because, I mean, I do know a lot about footy, but what was the reason for you leaving the pies? Was it? Was it you had a few too many discretions on the board, or you wanted to change, or?
1: Um, I I think. Well, I I didn't want to leave. I, mm. Like, um, obviously Bucks was coach, and um, and it just got to a point where we weren't really seeing eye to eye, and okay. player and coach. And um, I had my opinions, which were very strong. He had his opinion, which were very strong. And um, do you think it just, could have worked if if like, or do you reckon the best decision uh, was made in the end? I definitely think the best decision was made. <coughs> yeah. Um, at the time, I didn't think that because obviously I wanted to be at Collingwood forever. Yeah. Um, but I got to move up to Sydney, got to experience Sydney, got to start at a new club, create history at a new club. Um, and it was the best decision I made. Better for my footy, had my, my best years, I think. Um, I, I don't playing. think people
0: really – you played 150 games for GWS. Yeah, played lost.
1: almost as many at Collingwood as you did GWS. Yeah, life member at both. Yeah. Um, which is huge. So it's – like I was there for seven years. Yeah. Um, and – it was just it was it was a great experience for me and going to a team where it was all young kids, like I said, and lower the expectation. Obviously the first year we the year before they'd won one game. Yeah. Okay. Um so I'm rolling into a club that I'm a competitive beast and want to win every week knowing that I'm not gonna win yeah like a lot of games. Yeah. Um we won six the first year, eleven the second year, um, and then seventeen the third. Yeah, which so when when,
0: when was the grand final? So that was 2 uh, years after that 2 years after yeah. that did you so play in that fifth, no. yeah. yeah you did so yeah. that's for that whole journey that must have been fucking unbelievable
1: yeah. would have been great to to um to finish with the premiership of both both I teams imagine. but it doesn't take away from the fact that the enjoyment i had out of playing at the giants building history and getting to that grand final i i haven't
0: heard too many players that have played at GWS or been around people that have talked badly about the giants what why is that like what's what's sort of special about that place
1: um i'd used to describe it as a, it was a local footy um, mindset at a professional level. And it was a lot along the lines of anyone's welcome. Oh, okay. Bring everyone in. We need so the support. A- we want, There it was like our doors are open and a lot different to sort of what it was at Collingwood because it's such a big supporter base. You can't let everyone in. Yeah. But at the Giants, we were building a club. So we're like everyone in, access all areas, come through the change rooms, come through um, the club rooms, come and see us like, it was it was really good and the way that we built the community and um we built the supporter base up was purely on that. Right. Um and we got out in the community in Western Sydney. We we promoted the game as much as we could. Which is another city yeah. really outside oh, mate, of like it's Maine. Huge.
0: It's people don't understand how big Western Sydney is. No, it's, it's it's
1: huge. And we tapped into a little part of that. Yeah. Um and they still to this day, like Western Sydney's like obviously the heartland. Um we moved in a little bit closer now, but um it's still the heartland and we still have massive support out there from day 1 when i walked in where no one knew anything about afl let alone the giants let alone me yeah um to being in sydney playing in a grand final and, and people on the streets saying good luck right it's, like, it's um it was a big it was a, it was a really Enjoyable journey. Was it, would you say that was where you enjoyed your footy on the field the most
0: at the Giants, or is that is that sort of um, out of line? Oh, with there the, was there was a bit of success, yeah.
1: yeah. Like at Collingwood, I, I enjoyed a lot of like you had success, yeah, I guess, yeah, team success field, yeah. uh, on the field, um, and enjoying it off the field as well. And then in Sydney, same sort of thing. It was it was hard hard work early, but then we found um, we found a bit of momentum and, and managed to play in a, a grand final, um, which no one would have. Thought after five years, you playing
0: in a final. Bloody hell! So, um, I'm just actually going to ask you an interesting question here. I'm just pulling up because we are going to go into a preview of this AFL season coming up with heater of course. But in your career, who, if you name a couple for different reasons, you can. But who was your hardest opponent? Who's the one that gave you either the most trouble or you had the sort of
1: most admiration for? Uh, Steve Milne and Eddie Betts. Really? What, why?
0: What was it about them? They're kind of similar players in a sense, but oh,
1: mate, they're. they're- they're very similar, and it is you if you're not if you're not concentrating or you drop your guard for a little Oops. bit, they'll score. Really, and it's like um, milne and, and Eddie were both the same, and it was like I had great battles with both of them, um, and yeah, it was like you knew what you were going to get and you prepared for it. Um, but sometimes I had their their measure, and sometimes um, they had mine, and that was the best thing about the battle because if you if you dominate someone, it's not really a battle. We we genuinely um, had some rippers and, and at any one time or different times, like we took the cake or he yeah, took yeah. the cake.
0: I've I've heard around the uh, the footy world as well that you were great on the, the lip, like great on the sledge. Uh, was there, outside of yourself, was there any other good sledges or sledges you can share that,
1: that have sort of stayed to you to this day? Because that's one oh, of the best parts about footy, I think. That oh, we've, we've got a few. Like obviously <laughs> Swanee's, like I said, he's very intelligent. Dids was pretty sharp too. <laughs> um, and when we're up and flying, it's hard to sledge a team that's flying like the pies were in their prime. So, um, I think people just put their head down and just like dealt with it. Yeah. Um, and that made it easier for, for us to go a bit harder. Um, but you can only do that if you're winning. So, yeah. um, for me, I, I like to pride myself on the fact that I didn't normally start. So age, I heard you, I've heard you were very good as but well. I was happy to. Fire back yeah, it, I've played maybe. that down, but I've heard yeah. you were top rank. Yeah, it was – oh, mate, you you're to way. Yeah. It's um, – and it is – sometimes footy's a, a bit of a mind game and you can – if you can mm. play mind games and um, I've said this to a few of the boys at East Kielo and, and they think it's pretty funny because it's not really a sledge, but it's a little bit more of the mind games. Um, yeah. There was a player, a um, bit of a rival of mine, he, um, and a teammate when I was at the Giants – Used to play with him and I said, mate, you've got to give me something on this guy because yeah. um, he's um, he's a good player and I want to get under his skin just if, if, if things turn bad and he's like, oh, there's not really much on him, but like he, he gets real like paranoid like when people are talking about him or he thinks like people are talking about him or he <laughs> thinks people know something about him oh, I was no. like okay sweet so like I went out there and um it was just I, I don't even know if I was lining up on him or, or I was near him and I was walking out there and I just said. Um, to this player. I said, I heard a rumor about you and it's not great. And I just <laughs> left it at that. And so I just walked away. Is this before the center this bounce? This is before the bounce. And I just walked away and I was just like, that's it. I'll just see how that goes. And then I had a good game. He had an average game. And after the game, like I didn't even think about it. Like during the game, I was like, it was like, yep. Yeah. I just put it out there and saw what happened. Message to my mate who played with him. He goes, what did you say to Hida? What did you say to him about oh, me? No. And, and Matty just showed me, um, the message and I started laughing. I'm like, mate, I said that like literally at the start of the game and I totally forgot about oh, it, but, no, you didn't but I'm glad it
0: worked. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: um, that was like a, a little one that. That's quite a uh,
0: dark one as well. Cause oh, yeah. you've left it. You haven't we, even gone back. Or well, they've just got some real dark secrets. Yeah. And I've yeah. just tapped
1: into a little bit of it. So, <laughs> you don't even know what you've um, opened up. Yeah. It was, it was actually a real good one. And I'm like, it was That was just a spare-of-the-moment thing. I'm like, yeah, I'll just use it. Yeah. yeah see how it goes. And it works, so. There you go. He's sure the mind games. Now, <laughs>
0: for those at home, we've got to go into the AFL 2023. It's going to be a big part of uh, the podcast content uh, this year. So no better than, he'll tell you himself, 325 games, premiership player, he's sure to help me run through it. But going off last year, uh, do you remember the top eight? That's what I just pulled up for myself. I can, t- I can tell you. Um it was uh,
1: yeah, Bulldogs. I oh know. Just well, I sort of remember the the ones down the bottom, Richmond yeah. and Bulldogs, sort of scraped in. Yeah, Brisbane, um,
0: Frio, just above them. Yeah, and then top four was Pies, Swans, Demons, Geelong. Yeah, who who out of those do you see staying up there? Do you think that's going to change a lot? The top eight.
1: Um, I think history shows that there'll be two changes. Two changes. The, I think it's two or three because um, most of them have traded. To, okay, it's hard to pick this year. I think or who those teams are going to drop out, because Richmond recruited really well. Yeah. Two of the Giants boys. Um, don't know how they ended up with two gun get, Giants players, get, but yeah. Crazy. Um, Brisbane have recruited really well. Yeah. Ended up with what was named the first round draft pick, um, number one draft pick, sorry, and Josh Dunkley. Dunkley. Yeah. Um, so they're only going to improve from there. And then um, Melbourne's, Melbourne, Melbourne's me, got like Grundy. Grundy and Hunter. Um, yeah. Geelong just do their thing. Yeah, um, recruited some gun young kids. Um, they got bows from uh, Gold Coast in there. Yeah, well? bows from from Gold Coast, um, and a couple of others. Tanner Brown from Giants. That's right. And Henry from Collingwood. Yeah. And then Collingwood, you've got they got McStay, they got Bobby Hill, um, they got Tom Mitchell. Yeah. So like fucked. all the top teams that were in in the in the sweet spot in terms of having a tilt to the premiership, have gone out and picked players to help them have a tilt to the premiership. So. This year might be that outlier that the, the, the top eight sort of stays the same. Bulldogs are the same. They've they've recruited well as well. Top eight might stay the same. Yeah, it um, could. I think Geelong will be favourites. Melbourne just behind them and then Brisbane behind them. Just quickly, how hard is it, even though Geelong, are, everyone sort of fancies them and providing, they let's say, they have a
0: healthy year, how hard is it mentally coming back after winning a flag? Is it is there sort of a a nature of like, fuck, oh. it's a bit harder to get up every week or you've got more of a target on your back or anything like
1: that? Uh, there's you're probably a bit more of the hunted, but I think Geelong are just a really good club yeah. and they just, they're such a mature club. Yeah. Um, They've got old players, which helps with your maturity, but um, they're just mature the way they do everything. Um, I think they announced um, the captain as Dangerfield and then like the little, like post-it note down the bottom or the little fine print just said, Chris Scott signed a two year deal. They didn't need a, they didn't yeah. know to make need to make a fanfare of it. They just yeah. put in there. Oh yeah, it's Chris got signed for a couple more. Yeah, you know, everyone in
0: your era of the pies speaks with such respect about Geelong because I think you guys had so many wars with them. Oh yeah, and they were probably the team that that could get you on their day and you could yeah. get them on your
1: day. Like yeah, oh they they had a talented <clears throat> team when when in around, in around that their team. 2007 to eleven. Yeah, um, where we had some good battles with them and St Kilda. Yeah, and the Bulldogs. Um, but like I said, they're just a mature club, and they just do everything right. Yeah. They manage their players right. They treat them like adults. Um, they get in good people, um, and that showed in like the fact that they've played finals for so many, so many years, and obviously won it last year.
0: Do you have any teams outside the eight? I mean, Carlton's probably the glaring one that should get back in there. But any that you see significantly improving on last year? No, no. I- Honestly,
1: it's it's nearly the. The good teams say. have got better and the bad teams have got worse, <laughs> um, to, be, to be brutally honest. And that's Ugh. the way it is. Like it's, it seems like there's going to be a little bit of a divide. It might be the top 10 teams and then the rest yeah. are going to be really, really average and just fighting between themselves. Um, a couple of those teams have young kids coming through and they've decided to go full re, um, rebuild of the list. But um, I fo- I'm going to find it hard for some of these teams to look like they're going to win games. Yeah, there's a big gap now, that top um, four. As you just broke that down, actually, yeah. it's fucking huge. It, isn't it is, it? and it's the AFL wants equalization, equalize like the teams mm. and all that, but I think it's actually going the other way. I think the top lot of teams have actually improved maybe 10%, um, and the bottom whatever it is, bottom eight or bottom um, six, have gotten worse yeah. just purely through personnel or – um and the way the way things have panned out. Who who in your opinion won the trade period was it like in that
0: because you're obviously a stats man, super coach Who For you was
1: I was I was super impressed at the fact that Richmond not only got one but Tarantum. got two player two A grade midfielders from the one team. So I thought that was that was gold. Um, I think Bulldogs have they've gone out and got Lob. They got Jones as well, which like, like sturdies up that, that spine, which a good spine helps. But, but Melbourne have, they had a good, they had an unbelievable team to start with, and now they've topped it up with a gun ruck, um, and a gun outside mid, um, with good, good skills. So their depth, has just, um, increased. And, um, if they're A graders and you peak at the right time, they say marathon, not a sprint, peak at the right time. they will be very hard to beat. Yeah, I think people um, still don't talk about them. Like they should no. win every year, really. Yeah. With with well, the, some of their players, they destroyed Geelong. Um, I think it was in the prelim the year before. Yeah, that's um, right. And they won the the premiership. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be an interesting season. Um, but from what I. From what I've can see, there's gonna be some dead rubbers games yeah, there's gonna be imagine. some poor games and there's gonna be some absolute rippers. If you
0: put if you had the coaches had on at Melbourne, how do you work the Grundy Gorn combo? Like is is Gorn gotta
1: go forward more or what yeah, like how does that work? 60-40.
0: Yeah. and then thinking, can, can Grundy go forward as much as Gorn. He can, yeah, can, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Even like seventy thirty. Um, I think he was pretty beat up last year because he'd rucked for probably three years straight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um it does take its toll, especially on the ruckman, because that's all they're doing—just bolting into each other. So I think Grundy was like, they'd said, "Yep, yeah, we need to help out Maxie, and yeah. then he can spend a bit more time forward." But then you know what? Might be an injury to Grundy at some point during the year. Max takes over. Um, obviously, they lost Jackson, and Grundy replaces him. So yeah. um, it was—it was a great pickup, um, and they. Figured out what they needed and they just went and got it.
0: Right, who's the who's the bloke that you love watching the most in the AFL like currently? If if it's in your position or
1: whatever that you've got a bit of a, a I don't mat- really like watch halfback flankers to be honest. Yeah, well uh, does anyone? They're not that ex- <laughs> no, no, they're not that exciting at all. Um, <laughs> I think I oh shout out f- Isaac
0: Kainer. He was on there. He can be he, if when he gets going. I like watching him.
1: Yeah, no, he's he's a good he's a good solid halfback, yeah, running halfback. Yeah, flanker. he's I like, like the way he goes about things. Um, I'd say to be honest, it would be you love watching Toby. Toby. Yeah, yeah. I actually, just speak, captaincy, you happy yeah. with that? Like, yeah, very. Knowing like, what he's like. I like one captain. Yeah, um, traditionalist. Is, um, but love watching him isn't play. It? And is you don't great. know what he's going to do. Yeah. Which is great. I love the un- unpredictability of Toby. How good um, is he, like in your eyes, from what you got to see, obviously, even when he was younger? At his peak, he'd be top five in the comp. That good. Um, but in the same breath, I, I love watching um, Dustin Martin still because yeah. when he gets the ball in his hand, The fact that he can kick at 60 metres and hit a target, not many people can do that. So that's like he's above. And then he's strong. He can take a mark one-on-one. He can go forward. He kicks goals. Plays in the midfield, gets 30. Like watching him at his peak, like which I've played on him at his peak, um, I've seen him at his peak. It's like he makes it look easy. So when someone makes it look that easy, like they've got something about them. So like Toby and and Dusty, I love, love watching them play. Oh, I think you've answered this next one, but I was going to go
0: into a quick, quick fire four. But <clears throat> we're going to go into a bit of a double section here because we do love our punting, and we're going to have a pred- prediction on a few things. But um, top four into premiership winner, what have you got? You obviously, you're not going to change it too much from what you've seen. But who's your locks for top four? Uh,
1: locks for top four: Geelong, Melbourne. You keep the Pies up there. Do you think Pies stay stay relevant? I reckon it'll be. I reckon they'll be top six: um, Geelong, Melbourne, Brisbane, Richmond. Richmond, you think Richmond fly with those
0: two? So out of that four, who's winning? You think Geelong Melbourne? Out of them? I think Collingwood come from sixth.
1: I think Collingwood (laughs) could win. I reckon, I honestly think if they get going, um, they'll be better for last year. Last year, there was a lot of close games. This year, the draw will be a bit tougher, but they still have that belief, and belief is half the battle. Now, some of the futures markets on dabble, where
0: dabble socially, uh, gamble responsibly, folks, of course. Great. Get on that platform. It's one of the best. You can it follow Heath best. and I. You can copy our bets. Obviously, Heath's get up a bit more than mine in the AFL world. But yeah. uh, um, who, who's who's winning Brownlow? Brownlow, Coleman, Rising Star, who you got?
1: Cool. Um, Jeremy Cameron will win the Coleman. Yeah. I, I backed him last year and he just fell short. Um, rising Star, like you can go Ashcroft, but I just don't know. I, think, I don't think he's going to get a heap of midfield time. So I'll be looking – um at some youth in and around the average teams. Yeah, okay. So like St Kilda, um, Hawthorne, um, even North Melbourne. There's so gonna it could be, be some, a bit more open this yeah, year. Yeah, I, I think the, there'll be a lot Lux. of players young players getting games down there, so they'll they'll have an impact. Um and then the Brownlow um could be like a Honestly, it could be a Smoky like a Nick Dacos. Yeah, could you reckon? Could be because he, he he will play midfield this year. Yeah, and kicking the ball inside fifty is the the hardest kick in AFL, and he does it really really it well. Breaks lines so. Um, well. So it could what? be could be a Smoky Dacos, but you got to go with your, your standards It's a midfielders award. We yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, and I think I think demons frio those those sort of, Clayton I think I think Oliver like Oliver. he's been in and around. Um, yeah. And I think. He can just he can go to another level, and, and he's always going to get votes. Yeah, we know he's always going to get the ball, but um, maybe this year it's the year where he just takes it to a, a little bit more of a level. There you go, folks. Get following, uh, what is it, Lord Heshaw?
0: Lord That's e. <laughs> it's,
1: it's outstanding. That's your actual email. <laughs> thing as well. email. It's everything. <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: which is an absolute piss take. It's my it's, <laughs> it's it's persona. Now. Yeah, it's around, to round this out, we ask you so on every guest, this is kind of dating back to your career, but – we sort of attest three key traits to success in sport or business, whatever it may be, uh, resilience, drive or ambition. Which one of those three, obviously all are important, but which one Which one of you sort of of those was critical for you for your success? If you didn't have, you wouldn't have got
1: there. Um, I'll say resilience. Resilience. Yeah. Because. You seem like a resilient It bloke. wasn't given to me. Um, like Bits and pieces were like I was father, son, so that's sort of, it's not given to you, but that's part of it. But then. My first game wasn't given to me. Um, and even when I got suspended, coming back from an eight-week suspension, going into a final, Mick never like confirmed the fact that I was going to be playing in that final. Oh, he really? said the whole time like in his head, yeah, of course, if he's fit, he's playing, but he never let me know. So I had to wait until Thursday selection after eight-week suspension before Mick like told me that I was me. playing. Um, so it's like the mental game, but I think the resilient part was doing the work. Yeah. Making sure everyone knows you. So i um, also say resilience on that one. Uh, hey there, mate. Thank you for coming on the show.
0: You're a superstar. Love working with your double. It's been a, been a blast, so more to come for sure. Definitely,
1: mate. This is great. And as I said, I love the name. I
0: <laughs> love the name. There we go. <laughs> Thanks, folks. We'll see you next week. Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning OzCast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast.
1: OzCast.
0: Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details.